Hey, Tim. Hey, how's it going? Just well. Objectively <laughs> great. Great. Um, so today we wanted to talk about uh, foreign involvement or, or foreign engagement. And I don't know if we want to focus on military or also factor in like providing foreign aid. Um, I saw a bunch of uh, People's Party people were posting that Trudeau just promised another, uh, you know, right. three quarters of a billion dollars to some country. Um, so did you want to talk about, like, are these part and parcel? Do they automatically go together? It's just how do we engage with other countries or are they two separate issues? In your yeah, opinion? well, I mean, I mean, they are, there's, they, they can go together. Uh, I mean, I, I'm more concerned about uh, war. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I think that's a far more worrisome and dangerous thing, but certainly foreign aid, you know, isn't, isn't great either. Right. I mm. mean, stealing from our own citizens and sending that money and redistributing it to governments elsewhere is not uh, at all a good thing. It's bad enough that my wealth gets redistributed to my own government. It's even worse when it gets redistributed to other governments. So, yeah. you know, I, I have a problem right across the board with this stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think that is more just like makes sense and is in line with kind of all of our liberty principles generally. Um, right. But I guess the the uh, war and, and that kind of foreign involvement is more of its own, uh, you know, issue. Ab absolutely. I mean, it, you know, this is, you know, it, it drives me nuts because conservatives are all sorts of concerned about the migrant crisis, about open slave markets, about all this barbarism in the Middle East that's spilling over into Western civilization. Uh, but they don't look at the cheerleading they've done and that they continue to do that leads to that, right? And that is foreign military intervention. Um, you know, even Bernier is terrible on this. You know, he supported the the bombing of Libya. We now have open slave markets there and, and a migrant crisis that cuts right through Libya and spills over into Europe. Um, his, his policy... Uh, on foreign intervention is we, we, like he's against globalism, it seems, on one hand, because he wants to get out of the UN, which is great. But uh, he he also says we have an obligation as a NATO member to, to help our allies in the Middle East. Right. So what are what is NATO? I mean, NATO to me is almost worse uh, than the UN. They have certainly caused more damage. They've created more of a migrant crisis. You know, their, their um, military interventionists in the Middle East has killed thousands of North American troops. It's it's uh, killed millions of lives over there, and it's led to worse conditions. Terrorism is worse. Uh, ra radical extremism is worse. Um, you know, the, we, I, we've essentially NATO has funded ISIS. Um, you know, th these are the same people that we were funding to overthrow uh, dictators in the Middle East are now even worse than those dictators. Yeah. So so um, it, it's failed on all accounts. And uh, so yeah. my understanding, NATO mainly was there originally as like a protection from the USSR, right? Like the USSR was massive. It was multinational. And and, you know, no one of us could stand up to it. Right. So it was more like a union for protection. Yep. Um, if, you know, clearly it's kind of gone, you know, from that. But if that was the case, would it have been valuable in your opinion? Does it is it valid well, for listen, its original I think, purpose? I, I think it's worthwhile having allies. I think it's worthwhile having agreements with those allies that say if you are attacked, 
we're all going to come to your aid. Right. And certainly that is, is valid, but, but now it's like, you know, I don't know if you've ever had this experience where you have a group of friends and, you know, you go out to the bar and you've got that one friend that always wants to pick a fight. Um, <laughs> and, and, and that, that friend is like, okay, he's picking a fight again. I guess we're going to have to have his back here. We're going to yeah. have to get a fight, but he continually does, does it over and over again. And pretty soon all your friends are doing that. And at, at what, at some point you have to say, listen, we, we're here to have your back. Like we will protect you, but you can't be the one continually starting these fights. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I think that, um, that NATO is now basically free riding on, on any kind of diplomacy and free trade that creates peace. Right. So it's, you know, the, the members of NATO that are trying to be diplomatic and peaceful and, and engage in free trade, um, are being told that they have to contribute a certain amount of their GDP to military. And then the, those militaries have to go and, and kill people uh, in the Middle East and engage in all these kind of military industrial complex missions that, that serve an oligopoly, but certainly don't serve uh, our citizens in any way, shape or form. I mean, they're, they're robbing them blind and then they are making the world less safe for them. I mean, just look at the last two, terrorist attacks in Canada. One was uh, the storming of Parliament and the killing of uh, Nathan Cirillo at, at the Cenotaph in Ottawa. And then right before that happened was a, uh, a couple of Canadian soldiers got run over by a guy. Now, both of these guys claim that their motivations were um, stemmed from Canada's commitment to foreign interventionism, right? So, so this was in a sense, triggered by blowback. Now, I, I, I don't take any responsibility away from these terrorists, but I do have to ask, in what way did those military interventions where we bombed the crap out of Libya protect Canadians? They didn't. They triggered uh, at least three Canadian deaths from terrorist acts, um, and they led to open slave markets, and they led to a migrant crisis. And they robbed Canadians of, of money to, to make that happen. So, uh, so, so I'm trying to remember or formulate what their arguments like, you know, why does intervention make us safer? Right. Because there's this idea that there is a balance. Right. If, you know, if Iran gets nuclear weapons, maybe that's bad for the world and we should prevent that from happening. Um, right. And so it's like there is a balance of at some point we know there is a hostile power um, mm -hmm. that is going to directly threaten our lives. Right. And so. But it's it's you know it's a very difficult line to probably predict from my point of view, from a citizen's point of view. Maybe it's easier. They have a lot of intelligence. They do surveillance work and all this other stuff. So I'm wondering, you know, what the line might be, and also, is that worthy of our tax dollars? It, doing that, you know, espionage, doing that work right. at least, that engagement with foreign powers. Yeah, I mean, it's the old trope of we have to fight them over there or else we'll be fighting them over here, right? Mm -hmm. Well, we're doing both now, right? Because we're fighting them over there, we're, we're going to have to fight them over here because they're going to invade our country eventually because they got nowhere else to go because we bombed the crap out of their infrastructure. Um, yeah, I mean, that there there's certainly legitimacy in, you know, um, in, in taking out terrorists, right? Like, you know, I've got no problem with going overseas and taking out bin Laden or something like that. Uh, sending in special forces. Um, but when we talk about destroying uh, nation states um, 
and funding terrorists. I, I mean, the, this thing always happens, right? And, and the problem is the motivation here. We fund the, the like, like surgeons. We, we, right. Like Canadians maybe support foreign military intervention because they, they buy into this trope that we have to fight them over here before they come over here. Uh, but what happens in reality is the military industrial complex has every incentive to have perpetual war. It's good for their pocketbooks, right? And and so you know that they they are incentivized to point out hot spots where there might be an enemy brewing that we have to get on top of. Um, and and then the follow-up action that occurs almost a hundred percent of the time makes things worse for Canadians. Like it doesn't make things better in any way. There's there's no discernible like you know we in, we we invaded Afghanistan because we have to fight them over there before we fight them over here. Um, well, they're a bunch of goat herders. Like, how do they represent any kind of threat threat to Canada? Which Afghanistanis represent a threat to Canada? Well, Bin Laden maybe was hiding in some caves there. Okay, fine, go into those caves and try to try to take them out. I guess if you want, but um, but you know, or don't try and build up the entire. Right. And, and then what about, you know, the, the people like the terrorists came out of Saudi Arabia, um, you know, the 9-11 terrorists and, and Saudi Arabia was funding Al Qaeda and all this kind of thing. But yet we're not going to war with them. Right. So wouldn't it make sense on that, that they would be the biggest threat then, um, not like Afghanistan or, or Iraq? Like what, what did Iraq have to do with 9-11 or or? any of this stuff like okay maybe some terrorists walked through there but terrorists are walking through every other territory so okay so let's i think it's fair for me to say that okay fine let's say that iraq was useless afghanistan was useless libya was useless it was just bad examples right and there there, there fundamentally would be a time or a case that it's worthwhile um so i you know, I, I think of the world wars, right? So from my understanding, uh, there's this idea that World War II was worth us getting involved in, but World War I wasn't. Because World right. War I was Europe killing itself. World War II was Germany saying, we're going to take over the world, <laughs> right? So it, it was very much more evident that that would be a threat at some point to us. But you know, World War One. Okay, Canada was still, you know, part of Britain or whatever. They felt an obligation as as a British colony or whatever it was. But regardless, let's use America as an example. They got involved in World War One as well. Is the idea that you know let let them just kill themselves? Because before we had the technology we have, even then we wouldn't have known, right? The, these countries war and kill themselves and kill each other. So, what are your thoughts on you know World War One, World War Two? And, and how that it provides a framework for when we should get involved or not. Yeah, well, I think certainly World War I was, uh, wasn't necessary. It was essentially a European border skirmish. And, um, you know, North America's involvement in World War I extended it, prolonged it, led to the, um, you know, to Germany just getting hammered in the Treaty of Versailles. And and created the perfect conditions for someone like Hitler to rise in power and and um, to have the population, uh, you know, fixate on the globalists, the Jews as the the problem to all, you know their biggest problem and and 
and, and so yeah without North America getting involved in World War One, I, I doubt there would have been a Hitler in a World War Two. Um, so you could you could make a case that World War Two we were cleaning up the mess we made from World War One. I. I don't really think that's what happened. I think that's kind of um, that's kind of the propaganda we're fed. Um, you know, I, I don't buy this idea that if we hadn't gone over there in World War Two that we'd all be speaking German now. I mean, you know that what they they took over Poland. I mean, they had to get through. Uh, the Soviet Union, like th th there, there was no way Hitler was was, you know, expanding very far, and um, you know his, you you can't continue warfare and have a productive economy, like regardless of what the Keynesians say, you just so, can't do it. So I don't, I don't, I don't know that. So, but I think you can make a good case that okay, our allies were under attack. We go over there and we help them, help defend, right? So that was it, in theory, a defensive war we were protecting um the uk and and our allies against uh the an actual invasion there were people coming across the border or threatening the border there was an actual army that was going to move on them right so so yeah. so you know generally mil libertarian military philosophy is that the military is there to protect individual rights it's there to protect canadians so what does protective force look like does it look like going overseas and and bombing countries that ha have no navy have no air force that can get to us have no way of getting an army onto canadian so soil uh no I, we certainly can't justify that uh but i think we can justify um you know having special operations group or something like that taking out terrorists that represent a clear and present danger to canadians so I want to, you know, inquire down the line of protecting the world, right? So there's yeah. this idea that America has lots of money, has a big army, and Canada's always like tacked on, uh, I'll say, right? Um, but so with World War II, you know, my grandparents uh, were in part saved by the fact that there was foreign involvement, right? Like I, I potentially right. wouldn't be here, right? He was going around and cleansing Jews from the world. Is well, they were, there... put, they were put in danger by foreign involvement in the first place, right? I mean, it was that never would have happened had North America not entered World War I. Like, so I don't think you can we... say that state of, like, as a well, fact for sure. That, yeah, and that's, like... a, that's, a pretty, um, that's a pretty widely held historical concept like, that historians hold, right? So, I mean, it just makes regard... sense. Like, yeah, regardless yeah, but... regardless of the causes of Hitler at at this point right there was cuz that's what we see now is you know there are there's a group of people killing a specific group of people that we yeah. should protect right regardless of what caused it I don't think maybe they're all caused fundamentally originally by foreign involvement in the first place probably not there are you know um cultural genocides and and people hate each other for all sorts of reasons um so what is the response to Jews are being murdered or, or you know, the Rohingya are being murdered? We need to do something. What, why, why don't we need to do something? Listeners to this podcast get a one-week free trial to the Warrior Path. So sign up now. The details are below. I was coming off a stint in management uh, when I signed up for the Warrior Path. And I was pretty soft. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> David, I was uh, out of shape. I was huffing, and I had to come back to the floor, kick in doors, hump hose, fight fire, 
and I needed to get into shape. And Chad Kirkham at the Warrior Path definitely got me into shape. Uh, you know, I've, I've never felt better, to be honest. And he had an app that tracked the progress. I sent videos to him. Uh, it, was, it was a really slick application, actually. I, I would send videos. He'd correct my form, send me little tips and, and videos. And, uh, and whenever, whenever I needed, he was available. And I'll tell you, I, I put on, I think, about 50% on all my personal records in about a two-month period uh, working with the Warrior Path. Well, first of all, and who's we, right? Is it you and I, David? Are we going to go over there and, and shoot? So uh, what, they're, what they're saying is that uh, Canadian taxpayers need to, be, uh, need to be predated on and have their money taken for this particular cause. Um, and what makes one cause better than another. I mean, people are killed all over the world all the time. It, it's, it, it's a never ending uh, thing if you want to go down that road, right? And so the libertarian position is that, again, the military that's paid for by taxpayers is there strictly to protect Canadians in Canada from <clears throat> attack. And um, it, we, we don't go engage in peacekeeping that the UN wants us to do. We don't get involved in military interventionism that NATO wants us to do. Uh, yeah, it's terrible that the Hutus and Tutsis are going at it. It's terrible that um, this group or that group is is committing genocide or something like that. And <clears throat> there are ways of dealing with that privately, right? I mean, we, we could fund, uh, crowdfund a mercenary army if we cared deeply about a particular thing. I know a, a libertarian personally that funded his own way over to... Um, to the Middle East to fight ISIS. He did it on his own dime, raised a bit of money from people and went and, and shot terrorists, right? Okay, that's, that's fair. I've got no problem with that. In fact, I think that it, that's a hell of a thing to do. It's courageous. It's putting your own skin in the game. So any Canadian that wants to put their own skin in the game and fund their way over there and deal with that, I've got no problem with it. But what I'm saying is that um, the government's job is not to do that. That is not the government's job. The government's only job is to protect its citizens and it doesn't protect its citizens by getting involved in all these foreign entanglements and so there's no i get like i i, I understand that there's no sense of of this duty right of of us having to save the world or save this sort of people from that sort of people you see with syria for example that it's like there's a lot of comparisons that there is a genocide going on. How can, you know, right. we said after World War II, never again. And yet here it is. And, um, you know, is it the same? Regardless, we just don't get involved because it's like if again, if you want to get involved, you as an individual have a right to. But this idea of of we the country is it's fairly meaningless in, in, in that sense. It it. You know, in, it's sending other people who signed up to protect their, you know, family, their their country. It's then saying, oh, actually, go yeah. go protect these other people because we feel bad at the moment. Meanwhile, there are millions of people being murdered in in all sorts of countries. China's a good example. There's there's people being killed every day, but we don't care about it. We don't talk right. about it. Right. So I don't know. I'm kind of scatterbrained about it, but I feel like that's what happens to us when we talk about these things is that there's so much and it's just like what happens to be in focus right now right well and and 
And it's a hard thing to say, right? I mean, it, it's kind of like saying, well, you don't care about those people. You don't care about the poor. You don't care about the Tutsis getting slaughtered or whatever over in Africa. You don't care about um, this group or that group or, well, no, it, it's not that. It's, 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 again, about objectively understanding the role of government and, and understanding that, that I think Ayn Rand was right when she said that what's uh, moral is also pragmatic, right? Is also practical. So, you know, restraining government works better. And, and we just see over and over again um, that foreign interventionism doesn't work well. It, in fact, it, it works the opposite of well. It works terribly, right? And, and so, um, you know, you might be able to point to a few cases where uh, lives were saved or we made a difference, and, and that's great. And, you know, I honestly, like, it, I don't have a hard time thinking of my tax money going to things when the things go well, but most of the time they don't go well. Um, and that's not the, the, the correct role of government anyways. And there's, there are other ways of dealing with it. If you really care about something, you know, remember um, uh, that, that uh, campaign to go get Coney or whatever, Coney yeah. 2012, <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that, that was, there was a lot of support to go get Coney. Right. I mean, we, you can do these things privately now. It turned out to be BS, I, I think, or I don't know. Yeah. The, the guy, I think, got arrested, jacking off, running yeah. around naked, some mental issues there. But uh, but it proved that you can you can raise awareness and you can raise money. And you, there are people that will go out there and do your killing for you if you hire them. Uh, so hire those people and, yeah. you know. And put your money where your mouth is. Put your own skin in the game, but don't predate on your neighbor to assume that they should take food off their family's table to go deal with Tutsis in in Africa. Yeah, yeah, and it's definitely still difficult for me to wrap my head around because the framework is just not what I was raised in, right? And particularly as a Jew, right? Like the idea that. Canada shouldn't have gone and defended my grandparents from extermination is a difficult one to to absorb, sure. right? Um, but I, I like I understand the principles, so it's uh, I think it's just so opposed to uh, the mentality I was raised in, right? Yeah, but, but I mean, again, I come back to this thing that you're you're and. I encourage you to read up on this and maybe I'll send you some links afterwards, but your, your grandparents and your people were put in danger. Uh, that, that situation happened as a direct result of world war one had world war one not happened, had North America not been so gung ho to be adventurous militarily overseas, uh, that wouldn't have happened. Um, you know, the, 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 because it, it was Germany was suffering catastrophically economically, right? The Treaty of Versailles, uh, World War One, put it into uh, it, it was terribly hard on the people, and they went they they pointed at the at at the culprits as the bankers, right? And and the Jews, so they they needed a target, and and we you know we see that happen in North America now where it's the immigrants or this group or that group that are causing all the problems when really it's, it's the government um, that that's causing unemployment or whatever. Anyways, mm -hmm. you know, so, so we, we have to look at this idea that foreign interventionism <laughs> created that situation to begin with. 
And, yeah. and again, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have gone over there. Uh, we, we probably have an obligation to help our allies. And, you know, I, I think you, you could probably make a case. Um, may, maybe you can make a case that, that we ought to, in certain situations where it's just stark evil, where that evil is proclaiming and threatening to invade everyone around and take over the world, yeah. you certainly can make a case that, okay, we got to stamp that evil out you know, now before it grows and, and festers. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think it's also important, danger, but yeah, I think it's yeah. also important to note that really yeah, like the U S got involved after it was attacked, right. Um, by Japan. And also that the, the, the protecting of the Jews was secondary, right? Like right. it was, it, it wasn't the main reason people got involved. It was Germany was trying to invade our allies and spread across the world. And Oh, by the way, he's also like massacring and exterminating Jews. Well, right? like, yeah, I, I mean, because you, you could then make a case that why didn't we go and, and protect Russians against Holodomor or Holodomor or whatever. Right. And, and the mass starvation and the, the work camps. I mean, most of my ancestors died in concentration camps in Russia. Mm. Uh, mine were lucky to spread. Like, do I wish that, Canada or North America had gone in. Like, I just don't think that would have been sustainable. I don't think we would have a Canada left if we were constantly fighting all these evils that we see in the world. And, yeah. and so, you know, we just simply draw the line at, look, we have to protect this territory and, and keep it intact and keep it, keep liberty intact here and make it a safe haven for people who are fleeing tyranny to come and occasionally maybe help out our allies or chase down a terrorist cell. But, but that's, you know, it, we can't just be fighting all these evils in the world. I mean, what we, we, you know, by that logic, we should be going into North Korea right now, right? Yeah. We should, we should light up a nuclear war and different things like it, it's just, we can't do it. Yeah. One thing I want to, you know, ask about before we finish is you mentioned the military industrial complex wants this perpetual fighting, right? Um, and a lot of people conflate that the military industrial complex is capitalism, right? So that exists and is clearly overrun because of capitalism. We have all of these wars perpetually because of capitalism, right? That's a very common thing, I would think. So what are, what's your response and what's the truth of that matter? Yeah, well, I guess it depends on your definition of capitalism. Um, you know, I'm a private property and free market guy, right? And capitalism was a word that was made up by the left, by Marxists. It's kind of like uh, trickle-down economics. It was a straw man built up by the left to describe Reagan's policies. Um, it, but that's not a, how <laughs> anyone conceives of it, of these policies, right? So, so no, the military-industrial complex is not capitalism. It's oligopoly, if anything. Um, you know, first of all, we have... The, the, the thing that props up uh, modern warfare is central banking. Without central banking, uh, we wouldn't be able to to um, to steal wealth from the unborn to fund these military adventures. The money gets funneled through to not only the military, but then all the subcontractors and all the manufacturers, Lockheed Martin, you know, Boeing, all these weapons manufacturers. And so they're all incentivized. To make money and so in the u.s um i i remember reading a stat that it, it's ridiculous the, the return on investment for lobbying is huge so every dollar spent on lobbying returns 
like something like 20 times in profits, right? Um, and so it's no wonder that these corporations, these giant industries spend a huge amount on lobbying because it works, it gets them money. And so, so what, what they're doing when they're lobbying is they're trying to corner the market. They're trying to get a monopoly privilege in some way. They're trying to regulate out competitors. They're trying to get subsidies and funds. They're, they're looking for any advantage they can get to profit their shareholders and profit themselves. And of course, um, the only way that you can get this kind of money is from the government and this the, this kind of market share. You can't get this on the private market. Like, can you imagine an organization like if an organization like the U.S. military uh, had to knock on doors of citizens crowdfund to, to, to or crowdfund, right? Like, how many people would voluntarily say, "Yeah, we need all this fucking military hardware to go overseas and and you know, invade Afghanistan. We, you're going to need to send us a $6,000 check. Uh, yeah. No, I, I wouldn't give to that. I mean, who in their right mind would give to that? So the only way they can do this is not through capitalism, but through force, through government force, through central yeah. banking and through taxation. And, and that just wouldn't happen. So in, in a proper, so, you know, my idea of how I would change um, our foreign policy in Canada is I would take a good hard look at NATO uh, I would say, look, you got to stop picking fights or we're out. Um, I would I would have a some type of legislation that required politicians who voted for military action to to put skin in the game. In other words, they either have to join the troops on the front line for that military action or they have to put up a substantial bond like one hundred thousand or two hundred thousand dollar bond of their own money if they can't um, it if they can't physically fight or something like that, but they actually have to put themselves at risk. I mean, if Canada is in danger, if there are terrorists, if they, all, all these things that they say, if they actually believe them, certainly they'd be willing to put their money where their mouth is. I, I know that if I felt like Canada was at threat, if Canadian citizens were being threatened, I would put my skin in the game. I would put my, I would stand shoulder to shoulder with, with other uh, soldiers and and defend my the things that I love uh, from an invasion and from from harm um, and I think it's the least that politicians can do and I think that if we had some kind of uh, legislation or policy that required politicians to put their skin in the game when it came to military action that you couldn't vote if you voted in favor of a military action you were automatically drafted to go <laughs> into that military action then I think we would have a more uh, realistic th then we could trust the judgment of politicians a bit more right but right now they're playing fast and loose with other people's lives and money and they have zero skin in the game so they they do the things that are gonna get them votes that they can propagandize that they can you know uh, and and they never have to be accountable or take any of the consequences yeah I think that's fair I, I don't know how that policy will uh go over or be implemented but it's an interesting one um well who could say say no to it i mean what politician would be lily livered enough to say well no i i, I can't possibly like I, I don't believe in this strongly enough to go fight myself or put up any money for it uh okay well then sit down and shut up yeah like, maybe you shouldn't have an opinion on this then